Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're listening in today. Today's episode is really special, and I know that you will get a lot out of it. But before we get started, I just wanted to thank my listeners from the UK and Ireland. There are quite a few of you listening in, and I just want to give a shout out to you from across the pond and say thank you very much for being here week after week and tuning in. I am so glad you're here, and I really appreciate you. So let's dive in. My guest today is Patty Grimm. Patty is an author, a speaker, a trainer, a coach, and I will tell you, Patty is a women's empowerment pioneer. She really started organizing women's empowerment groups way back in the 90s, before organizations were formally doing this, and she saw a need to help women elevate in organizations. And so she created these groups, and that spurred her and created a passion in her um, that she ended up coming back to later on in her career. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. Her story is very powerful, and her story leads her to eventually interviewing 3,200 people, both men and women, for a book she wrote called Quiet Women Never Changed History. Be strong, stand up, and stand out. Let's go kick some glass. How great is that title? So in this book, she really talks about leadership skills for women and what they need to do to succeed. And she's going to talk to you about five of those skills today. So definitely listen in and listen in all the way to the end because Patty talks about how she is giving you a special, special offer to get her book plus $200 in free bonuses. So listen in to the end and be sure to listen for Patty's offer and how to get it because it's super valuable. And before we get started, I just want to dive in with one more thing. As you know, I've been working with Lori Tab to create the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. We just opened our second cohort, and guess what? We have two other cohorts launching. The program is so successful. Women are loving it. So I'm super excited to share with you our new launch dates. The first one is launching on September 14th. Mondays, every week for 12 weeks, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And the second group is launching, we're doing a midday group on Thursdays starting on September 17th. And that one will launch from 11 to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you are looking to get clarity and confidence about the next big step in your career and you want to build the life of your dreams with a community of women that you admire, then go to Core Creation Coaching, C-O-R-E, Creation Coaching, all one word, dot com forward slash breakthrough and sign up for a free 30-minute coaching session with me to figure out if this program is a good fit for you. And the bottom line is this program is a good fit if you are feeling stuck in any area of your career. So maybe you're in corporate and maybe you're looking to get to the next level and you're just not quite sure how to do that or you have maybe hit a ceiling and you're just not getting the promotions that you're wanting, this program is for you. 
Maybe you've been recently unemployed due to COVID, and instead of going back to the same industry you were in for so many years, you're really looking to potentially pivot and do that passion career or that passion project that you've been wanting to do and that's been a fire in your belly for so long. Maybe it's time. And maybe you are in a nonprofit, and because of COVID, maybe your organization has had to pivot and you are looking for other ways to grow your business, this program is also for you. All I can tell you is the women in our existing groups are absolutely loving it. They are in a safe, supportive, and encouraging, amazing group of women, and so many of them are having major breakthroughs. So head on over and book your 30-minute complimentary call with me. I can't wait to have a conversation with you. So with that, Let's dive in and listen to Patty Grimm share all of her wonderful wisdom and her powerful story with you so you can learn the five key things that you need to do to up-level your leadership. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Patty, I am so glad you're here today. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful day. And I am excited to have you share all of your wisdom with my audience. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, can you share a little bit about your background and um, how you came to be so passionate around empowering women? Yeah, thanks, Natalie. And it's a real pleasure and honor to be here with you and all of your listeners. So you know, I'm a, I tell people I'm an author, speaker, trainer, coach, and a women's advocate. And I started advocating for women many, many years ago when I started my career in banking. And I went from being a part-time teller in college to being one of the youngest vice presidents for a major California bank by the age 28. And I started back then, and this was back in the 90s. I, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. This was back in the 90s. I was doing empowerment conferences for women before they were called that, right? I would bring together all the support staff on a Saturday and pay them overtime and have a motivational speaker come in and give them gifts and talk about confidence and being your best self. And so this has been my passion in my life. I think it's in my DNA, right? I left that very successful banking career. My dad thought I was insane. <laughs> you know, here you are a vice president of a big California bank and I quit the bank and started my consulting and coaching business the first time. Okay. Uh, and so I was lucky that I was able to contract with the bank and do my old job in some ways. But um, I started working with lots of clients like Mattel Toys and LA Times and big companies all over the place, doing leadership development and coaching, always kind of with this women's thing in the back of my head. And then in 1998, I got hired by Microsoft. And I was there for 15 years and I had an amazing career. I was in the global enterprise partner team, it was called, and I traveled all over the world. If there's a city on your bucket list, I've probably been there. Wow. And I even had the chance to go to Asia and live in Singapore for three years and run the Asia Pacific customer partner experience team across all of Asia. So again, another crazy adventure. 
you know, my, called my husband from our big worldwide sales conference and said, you got four weeks to pack the house, we're moving. And I was looking at two jobs. I was looking at a job in Germany and our European region and one in Asia running the Asia region. And his only question to me was, do I pack snowshoes or flip-flops? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I said, pack your flip-flops, we're moving to Singapore. And we had I, it was the best personal professional experience of our lives. We felt like we were on our honeymoon again. That's great. That's great. So, so Patty, what happened next for you? Uh, what happened next was I actually, we moved back to the United States. I mean, and literally when we got back to the U.S., I was looking for the first international assignment back outside the U.S. because we had such an amazing time. So if you ever get a chance, career advice, if you ever work for a big company, wherever it happens to be, take advantage of every opportunity, explore new jobs, explore new roles, take some action to do something really you know, bold and brave and go do something crazy like we did. So we came back to the U.S. Um, and I tell people I had 15 years that I worked for Microsoft and I had 14 amazing years. What happened in the 15th year, at the end of the 14th year, I got the biggest raise I had ever seen, more stock options than I had ever seen, and I was promoted to be a pretty high-level position at Microsoft. And at the start of the 15th year, I started to literally implode. Mm. I, I was the classic, I was the rock star on the corporate ladder of success. I was on top of that corporate ladder, and literally I could feel myself falling down, and I hit rock bottom. I literally was working 80 hours a week, working every night, every weekend. Instead of being true to myself and my strengths and who I am and what's important to me, I was giving everybody else control over telling me, Patty, you should go right. Patty, you should go left. I was listening to all the shoulds. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I always, t I always tell my listeners that we should all over ourselves as women. <laughs> I know. We definitely should all, and we got to stop shooting. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. So, well, so what do you think changed for you in that, you know, from year 14 to 15, what, what do you think was the big shift? I was overworked, stressed out. I was going to doctors to find out, nurses and nurse practitioners and naturopaths. I was being told I had anxiety and depression, which I'd never had in my life. And I was one of those people that looked at people, you know, looked at someone and said, oh, I have depression. And I'm like, oh, come on, get over it. Go, go, go have a glass of wine. I was one of those kind of people until it happened to me. And I literally was sitting in front of a doctor. Uh, I was living in Washington at the time, so outside of where Microsoft headquarters were. And I was sitting in a doctor's office, uh, and she said to me, if you don't take time off to take care of yourself and take a sabbatical, I'm going to put you on a mandatory medical leave because you'll be dead in six months if you don't take care of yourself and get your life back together. So I had given up everything. I'd given up my vision. I'd given up on friends and family. All I did was work. I, I'd work from five o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Wow. I, I'd take a break for dinner. And then after dinner, I'd be at the dining room table working while my family's watching TV or they're doing something fun. I really wow. gave up on myself. And that event is what motivated me to then write my book, I'll say the title because it's kind of long and I have a gift for your listeners um, at the end, a couple gifts for your listeners at the end. The book is called Quiet Women Never Change History. Be strong, stand up, stand out with the subtitle, Let's Go Kick Some Glass. And so that motivated me to spend the next three years interviewing over 3,200 men and women leaders about what makes a great, strong, confident, empowered woman leader. 
right? And so my book is really my passion project. And since then, I've really dedicated my business and my life to empowering women and girls to be the best they can be in any endeavor they choose, whether they want to be the CEO or they want to be the best mom or they want to be run a nonprofit agency. They want to be the best podcasters. I want every woman to live their best life and be the best that they can be. I love that. I love that. And obviously that's why we share, we share this same passion. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's exactly why you're here. And I'm so glad you're sharing all of your wisdom with my audience. So, so obviously you interviewed over 3,200 people and I love that you interviewed men, men and women. So I would love for you to share with my audience, what are some of the key takeaways? What are some of the key insights that you share in your book? So some of the questions I asked in the interview were, is there a difference between a great man leader and a great woman leader? And only over 86% of the people said yes. And so my question then was, what is different about great men versus great women leaders? And I also did a lot of research into, you know, Harvard business studies and Oxford university studies about great leaders. And what I found is the characteristics of great women leaders, the top 10 are pretty similar, but it's the order that's different. The top five for men are things like strategic thinker, quick problem solver, uh, action oriented, get things done. The top for women is compassionate conviction, caring about people, developing others, team player. So the characteristics are same, it's just their emphasis is, is in a different area. And one of the most interesting women I interviewed is my friend, Deb, Deb Lewis. I talk about her all the time. She was in the first graduating class of women to attend and graduate from West Point. Oh, wow. So she, and they just had their 40th anniversary. She didn't have a glass ceiling to break. She had a concrete bunker. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That, that's a there, there were no restrooms for the women. There was no facilities. The uniforms didn't fit. The, nothing worked for them. <clears throat> and what she said was, and I love this about women leaders, and that's why we need so many women leaders in the, in the world right now, is women leaders see around the corners. Hmm. And so I said, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And she said, women leaders, if a woman is in a meeting, I'll start with the man first. If a man is in the meeting and he's running his meeting, whether it's a Zoom meeting or a physical meeting, he's got his agenda and he goes through his agenda and he gets to the end and makes a whole bunch of decisions and goes, that was a great meeting. And he walks out. But what he realizes, he doesn't have commitment or buy-in from any half the people in the room. And half the people were completely disengaged, but he didn't notice it. The woman would be in that meeting and she would notice and say, Natalie, it looks like you have something on your mind. You seem to have a comment or a thought. Would you like to share that? So the woman will see the holistic view of the meeting, the, the human dynamics, the, the, the body language, the talk that's going on, the volume of the voice. And she will notice it. And many times she will call it out or will call it out after the meeting. So I want to play devil's advocate for a minute. Do you think... So I agree with you completely. Do you think sometimes women do that to their detriment to where they're trying to get too much buy-in and they're trying to get too much consensus and they're trying to have everyone like them too much instead of taking that strong leadership position um, as a man would? So I'm going to challenge a little bit here. Absolutely. I have a saying, any strength to an extreme can become a weakness. So anytime someone says you are too, 
T-O-O. You've, you've gone from be having a strength of being assertive to being too aggressive. You've had a strength from gathering consensus and getting buy-in to being too passive. So there's definitely that fine balance there. And I'll give you a very specific situation and, and, and a story about a, two leaders I was working with. And uh, I'll just use fake names. I'll use sure. Tom and Tammy. So Tom was someone that when the, there was a big crisis in the organization, the managers brought everybody in. They said, Tom and Tammy, I need you to lead an effort to implement this thing really quickly. It could have been COVID or any number of things. I don't remember what it was at the time. Tom went off and immediately started taking action and making changes. And the senior leader says, wow, look how good Tom is. He's doing so much. Tammy went off and was gathering consensus and was gathering her team together and getting ideas so Tom comes up with the immediate answer. She took a few days to come back with an answer. And it was perceived that she was not making the decisions fast enough. Mm -hmm. Now, from insights to action, because we talked about this, insights to action, what the woman could have done to her manager was say, I understand that Tom likes to make fast decisions, and that's his style. I want to make sure we get buy-in to the decision first. I'm going to spend a day working with my team, and I'm going to come back to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning with our recommendations. Does that work for you? Mm -hmm. You have to make things explicit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so often as women, you know, I, I, I saw it in my own corporate career. I continue to see it in the women that I coach is they will leave that meeting and they will go do exactly what Tammy did, except they don't communicate about what they're doing and they're not informing and they're not um, setting expectations and they're not, you know, informing basically, and they're not letting people know what, it, what they're working on. And so they assume that people know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really in state, you know, state the intent of what you're doing and being explicit about it instead of being implicit, you know, even saying to her team, we're going to spend a couple of hours talking about this, but at the end, we're going to, I'm going to make the decision, but I want to get your input first. Right. And so I think it's that, fine line of being able to to do that and communicate it it's communication i agree i agree so what else uh what other insights did you learn from your book or that you can share with us um so the book is organized around five things that i think i figured out i was able to take all these best practices all these people that i interviewed the book has exercises and activities and it's, it's very action oriented. So every section starts with something, a story, and then kind of goes through the reasoning behind it and then an action. So I came up with these five ways to be an empowered woman leader that any woman can put into action tomorrow. Great. And I'm super excited for you to share them. <laughs> Let, let's hear them. Okay. We'll start with the first one and then we'll pause and chat. We can go through some of the it's other ones. Great. So the, first, the first one is play to your strengths. Every woman I interviewed that had real success in their lives understood their style, who they were, how they tended to make decisions, how they tend to operate. Do they think with their head or their heart? Are they direct or indirect? Um, you could use any number of personal style instrument. DISC is probably the most popular. There's insights. There's strength finder. There's a million of them out there. It actually goes back to Plato who had a theory that people are born with a set of preferences. Mm -hmm. Like we're either, most of us are right-handed or left-handed. Yep. It's a preference. Yep. You can write with your opposite hand, but it just doesn't feel as comfortable. So if you play to your strengths and you want to find very specific careers and roles and cultures that fit your strength, right? Even though I was very different at Microsoft because I'm not a techie, I fit into that culture because I was action-oriented, wanting to get things done, wanting to make things happen. 
even though I wasn't a techie person. So I fit into that culture of making things happen and making a difference in the world, which is what the company is all about. And so really finding those opportunities and strengths that fit you. I would not have done well in a manufacturing company where you do the same thing every day the same way. I probably wouldn't have been good in some other organizations that I didn't see more action happening. So really find a way to find your strengths and then practice your strengths and become a master in them. Mm -hmm. Be the best in whatever endeavor you choose. I love I I love exactly what you're saying. I think so many times women specifically try to be good at everything. And, you know, they try to hone their maybe weaknesses or those non-preferential pieces of us, right? That we're like, oh, well, we need to really work on that. Well, I completely disagree. I think we need to play to our strengths. I think we need to hone our strengths, not our weaknesses. That goes back to Marcus Buckingham and, and right, you know, around all the strengths research. And so I completely agree with you. So again, just playing devil's advocate here a little bit. Most women's strengths, and I'm making a huge generalization here, I realize, but most women's strengths are empathy, compassion, consensus, collaboration. Typically, most businesses are built on a culture of very male-dominated strengths. So how do women bridge the gap in cultures where maybe their strengths aren't recognized or valued? I would challenge you back. <laughs> Great. I love it. I, I love would it. challenge you back. Uh, in terms of strengths and weaknesses, the one thing you want to do is get your weaknesses to an acceptable level so that you're, you're at least acceptable. And Agreed. then definitely, definitely, definitely focus on your strengths, focus on your strengths. But the fact is organizations, especially in today's environment, if we don't have an inclusive culture of people, of styles, races, women, men, whatever, that is the kiss of death in a company today absolute kiss of death for a company. It's proven that if you have people that have different styles, and so almost every team I ever managed and work with, I've done some sort of a team activity to figure out what people's strengths were and styles were so we could work together better. And that you pull in someone who has a strength that you don't. If you've got a project that needs to be implemented quickly, you pull in that person that's the direct person. If you don't have that empathy gene in you, then before you go implement something, for heaven's sakes, go ask somebody that really cares about people. <laughs> you do too, I'm sure, but you know, go ask someone to say, how would this come across if I said it this way? So I would say you have to have that diverse mix of people and you need all those types of individuals in the organization. And you can make some adoptions in some ways and some of the things you talked about in terms of women and their confidence level, trying to be perfect in everything. It's one of the things I tell women to do. Don't strive for perfection, strive for excellence. Mm. Okay, so I, I'm completely just, yes, bowing down because it's exactly true, everything you're saying. And the reason why I pushed back is because I wanted to hear you <laughs> say it because it is so true. And I will, I will stand here today on this day saying that any organization who doesn't do exactly what you are talking about will fail. Fail. Absolutely we'll will fail. fail. The old autocratic controlling, I've mentioned this on my podcast before, the old autocratic controlling, domineering, male-dominated culture of doing business will absolutely fail in the long run because exactly what you were saying. There's no it diverse. Will, yes. It will fail because millennials and Gen Zers and all the next generations, they want career development. They want to make a difference. They want to work for a company they believe in. And if they don't believe you, how are they going to follow you? 
right? A leader with no followers is not a leader. Uh, and so I think it's critically important, and you're right, it's absolutely the, the kiss of death in today's world. When you look at the COVID crisis, since we're in the middle of that right now, yeah. when this is being recorded, this is now starting almost our second shutdown. And we actually found, today's my birthday, I told you, right? <laughs> yes, happy birthday, Patty. I was going to bring it up. And so, yes, happy birthday. I'm so uh, glad we, you're here on your birthday. Our favorite little Italian restaurant has an outdoor cafe, so we can go sit out there, even though it's going to be 100 degrees in Palm Springs, <laughs> right? So whatever. But in essence, if you look at every country that's handling the COVID crisis the best, New Zealand, Germany, I could go down the list, but I'll use particularly the women in New Zealand as an example. Yep. The countries that are handling the crisis or Beth are run by women. And the woman in New Zealand not only is handling COVID crisis, she handled a major earthquake that basically shook half the country to, it, to its knees, a major mass shooting where she immediately banned assault weapons, no questions asked, and is doing an amazing job in, um, Markle in Germany is doing an amazing job as well, of managing the COVID crisis through a crisis of demonstrating that strong balance of emotional intelligence and action and you know basic intelligence, be able to balance those things. I think that's just proof to me in itself. I completely agree with you. So what's the second um, of the five points? Second one, it actually relates to one of the gifts I'll send to your, your listeners if they send me a, an email. It's called uh, Stand Up. So in order to stand up, you need something to stand on. And I help women write their own personal leadership vision. Not a vision board, which are great. It is a vision statement that you're gonna use to make career and life decisions. It's a statement about yourself, the kind of leader you wanna be in five years. So I have people imagine they're gonna be on their favorite TV show in five years. Like I wanna be on the Ellen DeGeneres show talking about my book and here's the book with the big red high heel. Yeah. I know we're not on camera, but I know I yeah. love it. I want to be surrounded by all my friends and family and people that I work with talking about me as a leader and talking about me as being a, you know, credible leader with compassion, conviction, and courage. I want to be somebody that made a difference in their world. And so I encourage people to take time and write down all these words they want people to say about them and then create a sentence about 16 words or less. That's a vision statement. You know, there was put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. There right. was uh, Microsoft was change the way the world works, uh, you know, empower people around the world. There's a whole bunch of them. So my vision statement is to make a difference and empower people, women, to be the best they can be in any endeavor they choose. And I use that to decide what clients I work with. I use that to decide what kind of podcasts I appear on. I use that to decide where I speak. Uh, when I was choosing between a job in Germany or that job in Singapore, I chose Singapore. And here's why. Asia had a staff of 60 on the headquarters staff serving 24 countries from as small as Cebu, Philippines with two people to Australia and Japan with over a thousand. Europe had a thousand people on a headquarters staff servicing about the same number of countries. Where was I going to have the chance to make a biggest difference? Mm. A big fish in a little small pan in a uh, pool in Asia or a really small fish in a really big pool in Europe where nobody would know who I was. Yeah. And that was how I made my decision. Yeah. And so for you, it's all about impact and it's all about creating that impact and, and the ability to affect change. And I love that you use your 
a vision statement as a compass for you in your life. And I'm excited for you to share that with my audience. So we'll, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. So the, 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 uh, the vision statement is also what pulled me out of rock bottom. Mm, how so? I stopped li- Number one, I realized I stopped living my vision. I stopped living the vision for me and trying to be, I was all like a puppet for everybody else. You know, go left, go right, do this, do that. Take this role, go, go work in the, go work and go help launch Linda window seven, which almost killed me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So I was outside of my strength zone. I was outside of my vision. I was having an impact, but I was having the wrong impact because it was impacting me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's super important. I also love, you know, I love what you share about before you can stand up, you need something to stand on. That's so powerful for people to really get how important this vision statement is and this life purpose statement is for your life. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. What It's a, it's a place you want to be in the future. It's that signpost, that compass, like you said, it's the guide mm-hmm. to make rightness of decisions. It's, it's so important. All right, perfect. I think we are on to the third point. So what is, yeah, what is number three? Number three is stand out. So women, be valuable, be visible, be vocal. So be valuable. Once you find your strengths and your vision, become a master at your craft. Whatever your craft may be. You could be the most, right now I'm, I'm dying to get my hair done. My hairdresser is actually going <laughs> to do my hair in her backyard in 100 degree, 105 degree heat tomorrow. <laughs> I know. I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat. I'm feeling your pain. So yeah. So, so whether you want to be the CEO of a company, you want to be the best accountant, you want to be the best, whatever you want to be, become really good at it. So take free courses, watch YouTube videos, uh, take LinkedIn learning classes, get a certificate in something, uh, read books, read articles, magazines, get really active on LinkedIn, do things to become a master of that craft. So you build up your competence That's what also helps build up your confidence. The other thing I want women to do is stop trying to be perfect. Perfectionism in women is almost a disease. And it starts when we're children of how we're raised to always be nice. Oh, never say something bad unless you have something good to say. Uh, All these things in programming we have, even young girls today are still getting some of this programming about being the perfect mom, Perfect at soccer, perfect at piano, perfect at ballet. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to be perfect wife, perfect boss. It's impossible. Years ago, they used to call it Cinderella syndrome. Mm -hmm. Cinderella is a character designed by a man. (laughs) It's so true. It's a comic character designed by a man. It's so true. (laughs) So give up some of those perfectionism and just strive for excellence. Be a bit, and you can't be excellent in everything. I'm not a really good detail-oriented person. So most times when I speak, I tell people, I will guarantee you, you will find at least one typo in this slide deck. Even though I have proofed it 20 times and I had somebody else proof it, I will miss that I used the word to, T-O, instead of two-O-O. Right, right. And so, yeah, and so you talk about, so you talk about women being really valuable. So you know, through growth and through always, you know, curious and being curious in your learning journey, always, you know, making sure that you're being the best that you can be. And then you talk about being visible. This is a big one for women. So let's talk about it. And I'm going to give some real kind of interesting things and tips about this. Um, Be more visible. That means being more confident 
And confidence starts with body language. Confidence has to do with the height and the depth and breadth that you take up. So it's about being confident. And when you walk in to meet somebody, even on a Zoom call, that you look in the camera, you have your head over your shoulders, your ears straight up, you're sitting tall, and you're taking up space. And that when you walk in, you, when we can introduce each other again, you look somebody in the eye and say, hi, my name is Patty Grimm, and I'm an advocate for women. And you speak with confidence. So the confidence starts with your body language and your tone of voice. And you, sometimes what you have to do for a lot of women is you just need to practice. Practice being really confident in something that's fun, like gardening or baking or something you love to do and start talking about it. Because when you're confident, it shows in your tone of voice. Yeah, I agree. And it shows in your body language. So I literally, the week before the COVID crisis, I did a workshop for 50 junior and senior and high school girls in a group called Tech Girls out here in the Coachella Valley. And I did my five ways to be an empowered woman leader workshop on a Saturday. And I had 50 young girls standing up with their hands on their hips doing the power pose yep. with their feet shoulder distance apart, with their shoulders up, their head up yelling, I am bold, brave, and brilliant. Yeah, I and love that. Before I do any presentation, any podcast, any virtual meeting, I'm usually, if I'm doing it in person, I'm in the bathroom, standing up in the bathroom doing my power pose. And then I end with my arms over my head doing my victory pose saying, you've got this girl, you can rock it. I love it. You can rock it. And then what you do to really cement the learning is when something goes well, say you made your first presentation on the Zoom meeting and it went really well, that you ask yourself some questions so you cement the learning. What happened? Why did it happen? What did I learn from it? What would I do differently? Or what would I do again to get that same result? Well, gee, I prepared. I rehearsed. I, whatever you did that work, helped work for you. I got all my facts in order. I was really confident about what I was talking about. If it doesn't go well, what happened? Why did it happen? What would you do differently next time to create a different result? Mm -hmm. And be visible in those meetings. Sit at the table. Be at the Zoom meeting. Ask a question. Think of a question ahead of time. Ask for the agenda ahead of time so you could prepare your thoughts. If you're someone of a style that's more indirect on those profiles we talked about earlier, it's sometimes hard for you to spontaneously think of something. So ask for the agenda so you have some questions to think about ahead of time. Raise your hand. You know, when we get back in the time when we're meeting in conference rooms, take a seat at the table because Pete research shows the people that sit at the table get heard and those people that sit at the back of the room or the side of the room, your ideas don't get hurt. Yes. The other thing I want women to do is if you're in a meeting and woman across the room or in on the Zoom meeting brings up a great comment that nobody heard, say, stop. Natalie had a great comment. I think we need to hear that again so that you're supporting other women, which I'll talk about in the last thing as well. But um, definitely help support that other woman. Yeah. And I think men, you know, I think I'll add to that as well. I think, you know, um, so many of us are in a learning journey right now because of everything that's happened uh, with George Floyd and social justice. And I think many of us are in a big learning journey right now about how to advocate for others, no matter your know, race, gender, um, so many things. Right. And I think that men 
can also use this as a learning opportunity because I do have male listeners as well. They can use it as a learning opportunity to also become advocates for women. So when a woman speaks up and is not heard, he can also stop and say, did you hear Patty's comment? She had a good, she had great feedback. Or if she's not in the room, he's advocating for her. Right. And so the difference between being a mentor and a sponsor, a mentor is someone you go to advice. A sponsor is someone who's going to sponsor you organization and promote you or publicize your accomplishments. And so I actually heard this recently that women who have men mentors, at least one men mentor in their life, earn 13% more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I believe, I think there's actually a lot that we need to and can learn from male mentors and sponsors in our lives. So I completely agree with you. And so the last part of that is being vocal. And that's called learn to toot your own horn more. Yes, yes. So many times what happens is a woman does a job, takes it into, say, the management committee or is presenting a Zoom meeting. And and people say, oh, Natalie, that was a great that was a great presentation. That was absolutely spot on. Most women say, well, my team did this. I want you to change that. My team and I did this. Or I rallied my team together and we came up with this decision. Or I rallied the team together and here's my recommendation. You gotta toot your own horn and keep an accomplishment file on your computer and a personal old-fashioned folder folder that every time you do something well and you get a compliment letter from a customer or a coworker or something goes well, a project comes in on time or on budget, keep a copy of that. That's going to help you when it comes time to write that horrible performance review we all hate if you're working for a company or when you're trying to provide to get promoted to another job. Now you have evidence or you're trying to change careers. Now you have evidence of all the stuff you did. So keep an accomplishment file. Yes, I completely agree. You know, I did a previous podcast episode for those who might not have heard on personal branding, building your personal brand is with Juan Rivas, um, who's my chief learning officer for my team. And he talks about and shares, which is so powerful. Nobody cares more about your career than you. And right. it's up it's up to each one of us to be the owner of our careers and to take control of it. And in order to do that, we need to make sure we're keeping track of our accomplishments. You know, so often what I see, and I'm sure this came through in the research in your book, is that, you know, women put their heads down they do the work, they do a great job of it, they're trying to be perfect at it, and they don't let anyone know. (laughs) Women spend too much time doing a great job, they forget about managing their career, and they're being their own PR agent. Think about you incorporated. And I couldn't agree more. I tell people control your own destiny, otherwise someone else will. And why would you give that power to anyone else? I completely agree. Perfect. What about uh, number four? Number four, put yourself number one on your things to do list. In hindsight, this could have been number one, but put yourself number one on your things to do list. Eat, pray, love, take time to do things that bring you joy. It's really popular right now, that little Japanese gal that goes in and organizes people's houses on one of those TV shows. Yeah, Marie Kondo. Yeah, (laughs) my kids love her. Think about do things that bring you joy. So whether that's reading or writing or walking the dog or painting or gardening or cooking, do things that bring you joy and schedule them into your day. Schedule absolutely regular breaks throughout the day to walk away from your desk and your computer. Don't eat over your laptop with food 
while you're <laughs> while you're watching something take time for yourself because that's almost what killed me right you have to regenerate yourself you can't keep working like you are i get really frustrated right now because a lot of articles or leaders are talking about let's return to work what's the message that sends to people that have been working their tails off managing multiple people in the home who gets the office for the zoom call and who gets the dining room who's doing the homeschooling today who's going to go to the store we're working harder and longer than ever and actually research has shown people are actually more productive right now working mm -hmm. from home they're not driving two hours or three hours a day depending on where you live right so we should talk about returning to the workplace yeah no, it's, you know what, it's actually a, a really interesting nuance. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's so true. And I think people need to be cognizant of how they're talking about it. Because yeah. there is a lot of work being done right now at home. And the reality is the majority of the, the housework and the childcare and the homeschooling and the online learning and all of that is typically on the woman, you know, she's I'm not saying men don't help because there are a lot of amazing dads out there that are helping. But, you know, typically the majority of that is on the woman's shoulders. Yeah. 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 So it's really about taking care of yourself. I mean, you do extreme self-care. I read a number of books when I was going through that down phase. I mean, I read Louise Hayes, uh, You Can Save Your Life. I read Cheryl Richardson's Extreme, The Art of Extreme Self-Care. I did the journaling. I did the working out. I ch completely changed my morning routine. I no longer I still get up very early because I'm an early riser, but I get up and walk the dogs and work out and read something inspirational. And then I'll start to work on mail and I'll take regular breaks throughout the day just to get up and, you know, walk around the house or yard or go sit out by the pool or something. Um, yeah. Just find ways to get cre creativity comes from breaking away from your routine and you will solve a very complex problem if you just walk away and maybe even go outside. Yeah. So so, Patty, I appreciate you sharing your story with my audience because you're now the second person I've had on the podcast who talks about, um, I had Katie Anderson on the podcast in a previous episode. We talked about the Enneagram, but the reason why we talked about it is because she was, I think, 32 or 33 at the time and ended up in the hospital, um, basically, pretty much with the same diagnosis. She had mm -hmm. worked herself literally almost to death. Yep. My question is, you know, from your experience and maybe from the research in the book, why do women do this to themselves? Why do we do this? I have a, a funny saying, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but it, this is a saying from a, a, a mother. Guilt is the gift that keeps giving. Yes. And so tell me, and tell I, me what that means I, to you. So I think many times women suffer from that. It goes back to that perfectionism that they suffer from thinking I need to be the perfect at everything that I do. Um, I need to be make sure that I've got the perfect you know, hair and clothes and I'm doing the right job and I'm the perfect mom. And we put extreme pressure on ourselves. When you look up the word perfectionism in the dictionary, it's it's a it's a pretty scary actual definition of someone that's striving for you know, flawlessness with extreme high standards, so extremely high standards combined with overly critical self-evaluation, caring too much about what others, others think. And I think that's just something that mm. I, I, it comes from childhood. Yeah, uh, as much as even we're trying to raise modern, progressive young girls, and we are, and I'm amazed at some of the young women I work with, they start off super confident and super strong up until about age 12, 
nowadays between about 10 and 12, 13. And then because of all the social media pressure, we have young women going in and getting breast surgery at, at, in, as teenagers. They're getting their eyebrows, their nose fixed. They're getting thigh surgery to create a gap in their thighs to look like some skinny, you know what, model. They're, they're just, it, it, that pressure is so much more on women than it is on boys. And we, that starts with mm -hmm. us as parents, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's letting your little girls fall down and get dirty and play in the dirt. It's letting them go do things that they love to do and not having to be perfect at it every time. A little girl comes home with a B, the family flips out. The boy comes home with a C, maybe a D. It's like, hey, he raised his grade. Yeah, so, and, and I'm passionate about this and I'll share, my husband's a therapist and so, he deals with the he deals with the outcome of a lot of women's perfectionism issues, right? So what I will share from his experience that he shared with me that I have tried to help as much as I can with my girls and to shape and mold them is we really need to be cognizant as moms, as parents, um, both moms and dads, that uh, and this actually goes for both little boys and little girls. We need to be really cognizant um, because as you're saying so much of this perfectionism is rooted in childhood we need to be cognizant of praising our children on a lot more than just their achievements yes so we need to be making sure that we say you know i noticed that you were being a really good friend to jill I noticed that you had this conflict and that you were really empathetic with Joey. I yeah. noted you, we need to start complimenting them and acknowledging them on the characteristics of who they are, not what they are doing. Yes, I love that. I so agree. I'm so glad that you have more, your husband has more science <laughs> behind it, but I so much agree. And it's really, it's being very careful about the words you use, the tone of your voice, the praising them for who they are, not what they accomplish. I love that. I may steal that from your husband. Yeah, no, it's fine. And, you know, and I mean, I want more women to hear it. And I'll tell you, you know, the other big thing that I learned from Sarah Blakely, who runs Spanx, I'm not sure if you've heard her story or not, and I'd like to share it with the audience is, you know, she started Spanx when she was selling um, fax machines or something. I mean, she started sp selling Spanx out of her apartment and she was a one woman show and she just kept going and she had this tenacity and people have asked her about where she got that tenacity from. And she said, I never knew anything about failure. She grew up in a, in a family environment where failure was applauded. Her dad would literally ask her, what did you fail at today? I and, love that. And that became because they because he knew that failure was only it wasn't failure, it was a learning opportunity. And so so that became very ingrained in their in their family culture. And so I'll never forget I'm going to share this story really quick. I'll never forget my I had heard this from her and I had probably just like most other parents been praising my children on their good grades and their, you know, how they were doing in school and asking when they got home, how did, how did your spelling test go today or math test? And so I'll never forget my daughter walked in, my youngest daughter walked in the house after school one day. And um, I said, hey, how was your day? She's like, oh, it was really good. And I knew she had a biology test that day. And I said, um, 
so what'd you fail at today? And she literally looked at me. She's like, mom, have you lost your mind? What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, no. And I explained to her about Sarah Blakely and how I heard this. And I really want to empower her to think about what she failed at. And so she said, well, you know, I actually, I struggled this morning to get out the door and I was kind of late to first period. And so that was kind of a failure. I said, what did you learn from it? Well, I learned that I need to prep my backpack the night before and I learned this. I go, great, you learned something today. And so now I ask that. I don't ask it all the time, but I do ask it on a consistent enough basis to where she knows that failure is not a bad thing. It's really interesting that you share that. And what I want to point out, I, I talk a lot lately about resiliency, agility, and grit. And I want your listeners to go on YouTube and look for a YouTube video by Dr. Susan David. She wrote a book about embracing, I think it's called Emotional Agility, Embrace Change and Thrive or something to that effect. But it's Dr. Susan David. She's out of South Africa. And I absolutely love this woman. I had actually, I had read her book. I was going to do a presentation on resiliency, agility, and grit. And so I started searching on the web and I came across her YouTube. And then I'm sitting in this conference back in Boston last year and she's on stage in front of me. And I was like, I was like one of those groupies. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, she's there. I so I went, up, I went up and introduced myself to her. She's amazing. But in today's environment specifically, and with children, as you're saying, it's the emotional agility she talks about is the ability to navigate life's twists and turns with self-awareness, open-minded and clear-sightedness. And not to try and always push down all the bad stuff, the failures, to actually celebrate those failures so that you are resilient and you learn from them so that you don't repeat them again and you're able to bounce back. You become like a rubber band that you can stretch but doesn't break. Mm-hmm. And then grit's having the tenacity to work through those things. So kind of those three things together. But one of the things she says is that if you want your life to be calm, you know, just, just a calm life, that's called flatlining. <laughs> and when, you're, and when you want your life to be a flatline, you have dead people's goals. I love that. I absolutely love that. Depression's an epidemic in our country, and yes. a lot of people are using either medication or alcohol or something else, eating, yep. whatever it is, to yep. take away the pain, to reduce the failures, when in essence, we should do what you do is learn from them and then say, well, what would I do differently? I agree. I agree completely. Thank you for sharing that. I, I will actually go check out that YouTube video as well. So, I, I love her. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will definitely look into it. So what is number five on your list? Number five, the last one is pay it forward. So it, there's different studies I've seen. The recent one I saw said women won't, will not achieve pay, a parity, pay parity until 2037. That's more than 50 years from now. One I also saw from the World Forum says women won't achieve pay parity until 2,277. So we have to pay it forward to the next generation of women and men leaders. We need men to step up to the plate and start mentoring women and realizing that um, there's more than enough for everybody in this world if we can help each other grow. So pay it forward, find a mentor, be a mentor uh, if you're in college, you can mentor a high school student. If you're a professional, it's along in your career, you can get reverse mentoring from a younger person who can help you with your social media and doing Twitter and TikTok. (laughs) I love it. No, I love it. I always say like, 
send the elevator back down, you know, go, yep, yep, go help yep. someone else. Go, um, you know, do things that uh, I have a great quote from Madeline Albright and there is a swear word in there. So I will say one thing, but Madeline Albright said, there should be a special place in hell for women who don't help other women succeed. So lift other women up, uh, you know, tell a woman her crown is crooked without telling the world. I saw a quote recently on that. Yeah. Help other women grow, help other boys grow, raise compassionate boys, raise strong girls. And let's just make sure we kick that bloody glass ceiling because I'm tired of kissing it. I absolutely love it. So a couple last things and then we'll close out. Um, obviously, you had mentioned it and, you know, I'm sure my listeners are aware if they're listening to this when it releases at the end of July 2020, we're, we're in the middle of COVID. You talked about building grit, building resilience. Um, what have you personally learned about yourself or your leadership? Anything that you would change about yourself or that you're implementing differently throughout COVID? You know, I think at first we sort of all went through the typical um, reactions when we hear bad news. I mean, there's a Rosabeth Mont Cantor uh, research about uh, when people hear their hair dying of cancer or they get bad news like the world is shutting down. We all go through kind of shock, anger, uh, resistance, you know, acceptance, and then help, right? So we kind of all goes. So at first, I think we were all sort of in shock. This can't be happening. And of course, that started the great toilet paper run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I never understood. This is not a, this is a congestion flu. This is not a bottom half flu. <laughs> and now people are stuck with thousands and thousands of rolls of toilet papers and they can't, Costco won't take them back. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> the great toilet paper run. Um, so I think at first, I think we we're all sort of in shock of how we going to survive. And then I realized how resilient we can be and how adaptable we can be and how we can use the wonders of technology to continue to reach out to people. I've been on multiple, multiple virtual happy hours with people. I've done multiple virtual conferences where I've been in a, in a conference with thousands of people and we're in a one big room for a minute and then all of a sudden we're all in separate breakout rooms. I've been amazed at how quickly schools have adapted. And that just proves how we can be so agile and have so much resiliency and have so much grit. They talk about the generation of the, that went through the Spanish flu and went through two world wars and depression as being the greatest generation. I think the younger generation coming up, of which one of them is my niece, who's going off to SMU in a couple weeks, is probably going to be part of the next greatest generation that's been through so much. They've been through the violence, the school shootings, the, the Black Lives Matter. They've been through the Me Too movement. They've been through, you know, the wars that are going on. They've been through so much, and now they've been through this. I think they're going to be the next agile, resistant, gritty or uh, leaders of the future. And so I'm yeah. actually personally excited about it. Um, I've discovered so much more. I'm so much more aware of things, you know, really taking time and space for myself, but also for my family and taking our dogs to the dog park every evening because we can still socialize outside and socially distance and our dogs get to play with their friends and we get to see our friends for an hour or so every night. Yeah. So, yeah, just how adaptable we've become. I I completely agree with you. I completely agree. And so, Patty, first of all, I want to I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your personal story, which was the impetus to, you know, the book and your new career. And so I'm so grateful that you shared that with everyone. Um, obviously, you've done a lot of research. You've interviewed over 3,200 people for your book. What is the one 
thing that you really want people to take away from your learnings? The one thing I want people to take away from it is that when she rises or another person rises, you do not fall. That mm. all boats float to the top if we help each other and we work together to make the world a better place. If we, if we lift down and we pay it forward to someone else, if we uh, do something special, I'll give you a really silly example. My son lives in Portland with his wife. They have two cats. They sent a video the other day of my son at a pet shelter petting a little kitty. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't tell me you're getting another cat. He goes, oh, no, no. His wife, Melinda, would divorce him if he got another cat. <laughs> but he paid it forward. He paid the adoption fee of that cat to go to somebody else. Whoever the next person in, the next, he said, the next little kid that comes in and wants a kitty, I want you to tell them the kitty's already been paid for by me. I love that. Right. You did, so you did well, Patty. You raised a great <laughs> you raised a great boy there. I raised That's a great sure. boy. He's a great cook too. He's wonderful. So I think we need to think about the world as being ever expanding pie. The more you give, the more you get. Right. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. Be forgiving of yourself. And just have fun. I saw I saw a quote, and I have it in one of my slide decks of my presentations. If Plan A doesn't work out, there are twenty five other letters in the alphabet. Amen. So I, I thank you because I think everyone needs to hear that. Thank you for your wisdom. And you mentioned earlier that you had something to share with my audience. So I would love for you to um, chat really quickly about how people can connect with you and what you have to offer. I have two things. One is free. So one is if you send me an email and I'll say my name and email and then I'll spell it. It's pattygrim at live.com, and that's P-A-T-T-I-E, and that's G-R-I-M-M, at L-I-V-E dot com. If your listeners send me an email, I will send them a PDF document of how to write their personal vision. The history behind vision, where it started from, why it's important, how it can help you, how you can take insights to actions, and helps you write your personal leadership vision. So that's a free gift I have for your listeners if they send me an email. Thank you. And I will also put all of this in the show notes as well. So, And then if people want to get my book, it normally sells on Amazon for $18.95. But for podcast audiences, I'm giving them a chance to get my book for only $10. That includes free shipping and handling in the U.S. and $200 in free bonuses, which includes a 30-minute video of me walking through the five ways with exercises and a couple other things. And so they can either email me directly for that or they can go to www.womenkickingglass.com forward slash book. And that'll take them directly to buy the book and I will ship it to them. I'll actually sign it to them personally too. Oh, Patty, thank you for offering that to my audience. Um, I, your book is amazing. I'm so thankful that you were here. I mean, who doesn't love women kicking glass? I mean, come on, that is just brilliant. So I love everything you shared today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. And have a super fantastic day and be kind to yourself and others. Thanks, Patty. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? 
It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh, 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 oh,